You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am very, very, very excited to have you with me. And if this is your first time, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking it out. I really appreciate you coming along. This one uh, kind of happened at the last minute. I realized a few days before recording, I was like, I really should record an episode with my dude, Richard Oliver. Richard Oliver, you may be aware, is now another permanent co-host on Chasing Tone. I do Chasing Tone every week with Brian Wampler, and I have for years at this point, almost as long as I've been doing this podcast. And Richard joined us about six months ago, and he added a really nice dynamic to the podcast. He really helped mix it up just by way of his personality. And having him with Brian and I on that show has been a real game changer. So if you haven't listened to Chasing Tone in quite some time, maybe slide over there and give it a listen because it's changed significantly from the days when it was just Brian and myself. Well, it's changed about three times now. This is like the third iteration. There was the original with Max and Travis, which I loved. There were the many, many years where it was just Brian and myself. And now we have Richard and we've got a whole different vibe going on. Well, not, not a whole different vibe. It's still the same, you know, horsing around. But now we have a snarky British fellow on there with us as well. And it's been really, really, really fun. So I wanted to bring him on this show so I could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and get to know his backstory a little bit better. Because even though we've been talking weekly or better for six months, there were still things I didn't really know about him, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to get to know him better. And yeah, he's a great dude, so please go check out the latest edition of the Chasing Tone podcast if you have not. I've been doing that for years, and I really enjoy it, and now I enjoy it more than ever, really, really truly. So let's get to know Richard a little bit better. This is a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy this. Let's hop right into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have somebody I talk to every single week over on the Chasing Tone Podcast, but uh, have never really sat down and, and broke it down on the microphone with on an individual basis. Mr. Richard Oliver, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing, Blake? Dude, uh... You know, things are kind of insane, but like as far as work goes, things are going pretty well, you know, so I can't complain. Insanity is that. never a good thing to hear about, to be fair, but, uh, <laughs> especially in work. Um, but if, if it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can't really comment on that. I've had a, such an insane day, so I'm sort of <laughs> feeling it too. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, I wanted to get you on the podcast because... I'll break it down from my perspective first, and then we can we can get into this a little heavier. Because I'm wonderful. You are wonderful. Thank you. I enjoy having you over on Chasing Tone. Uh, for the listeners of this podcast, some of you listen to this and not Chasing Tone, and vice versa, but I've done the Chasing Tone podcast with Brian Wampler for like five years or so, somewhere in that ballpark, and for most of that time, it was just Brian and myself, and then... 
how many months ago now, Richard? Six months ago, probably, I'm, you started joining I was us? about to say five minutes ago, it seems, but uh, I think it was at the beginning of this year. So I, think so I think we started our first one just before Christmas, actually. Um, so, wow, hasn't 2021 flown by us? But, <laughs> yeah, I think six, seven months we've been doing it together now, dude. Yeah, and I felt like it, it injected some new life into the conversation, and uh, the listeners seemed to agree. And it's, uh, I was like, you know, I haven't had him on Tone Mob just to kind of chop it up on an individual basis. I know your, some of your stories. I know some of how you've gotten to the place where you are, but I apologize I in advance. <laughs> I don't know the day one stuff really, you know. You've you've made some references to things on Chasing Tone, but like when did you actually start playing guitar and like what, you know, from the 30,000 mile view, like how did you end up working with Brian and doing all the things that you're doing now in your very beautiful high watt t-shirt? <laughs> uh, I mean, that, the, the whole Brian thing, uh, and, and of course, this is the first time we've recorded a podcast without him, so can we say bad things about him? Is that oh, of right? course. Um, oh, yes. No, oh, I'm joking. I've got... <laughs> he's a terrible taskmaster. He he works me so hard. No, um, so I started playing guitar when I was 15, which is 30-something uh, <clears throat> years ago, uh, and I took lessons off a friend of mine called... Stuart Anderson, I believe, um, who had this crazy Gibson aluminium neck tuning fork uh, double cut guitar that I loved, and he was he was a whiz. He was uh, he was in a band. Uh, I think they were called Urban Surfing, and they okay. covered Johnny Be Good and Purple Haze and all the sort of classics. And I was like, I want that. That that's what I want. So uh, I chatted to him, and he's like, Yeah, I can teach you, dude. So. I went out and bought a Marlin Sidewinder guitar, which was about fifty pounds back in '89. Uh, I think this is. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a Strat clone, um, distributed from a company in Wales. So I already loved it. It was in like Hank Marvin red, so it was a bit garish. Um, the pick guard was so warped the pickups kind of moved. It was not a quality piece. I think I got a, a Friday guitar because mine was not good, but I learned my chops at it. But again, he taught me secondhand from what he was learning. I learned one pattern on the scales, uh, the intros to Johnny Be Good and Purple Haze because he played them in his band. And then I thought I was good enough to learn on my own because... I had the arrogance of youth behind me. Uh, so, yeah, I I went off with my little 10-watt Squire amp and uh, started working my way through. I, I was really into the Doors at the time for whatever reason. So working my way through Doors tab because, of course, they're known as a great guitar band, right? Oh, yes, uh, and wonderful band. <laughs> I mean... My favourite. Probably the least guitar-y guitar band there is. Uh, and, yeah, learnt Stairway to Heaven so that I could annoy people. Um, a couple of songs, and then I thought I was a genius. So uh, I started teaching other people how to play the guitar the Richard Oliver way. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this on the um, Chasing Tone podcast. If the parents of the two girls who I did teach guitar to or listen to, I will give you a refund. Um, so, <laughs> and then... 
as I kind of uh, got a little bit older, sort of 16, 17, I, I found my way to drums, which had always been like my first love musically. As a kid, I always used to bash sticks and, and whatnot. So I kind of gave up the guitar and started playing the drums and thought that was going to be my future. Uh, and then sort of went to university where I couldn't take either guitar or drums. So I ended up making synth music with an old Commodore Amiga computer and just sort of fell into the whole EDM thing and literally did not pick up a guitar for about six or seven years after that, I think. Um, and it was only when I finished university, done all the going out clubbing nonsense that I was like, I miss the guitar. And I went and bought a Epiphone, funnily enough, uh, SG uh, and uh, hated it. Uh, and then, yeah, <laughs> basically carried on trying to learn myself for a good 25 years before five years ago going, you know what, I would really benefit from real lessons. So six, six years ago, I started to take the guitar a bit more seriously. Uh, five years ago, started my lessons. And then uh, I'd say about three years ago, I decided that I was bored of my uh line six pod xt and i would get back into tube amps and uh effects because i sold it all in about 2003 i'd built a little studio so i i, mi I missed that bit out i built a little studio for myself uh in about 2000 and it consisted of a couple of marshall amps uh, a vox amp i think for the bass and a drum kit all acoustically mic'd all being recorded by a tascam 24 track slidery box uh, yes. onto cd it burnt onto cd i was like how oh. cool is this so i remember that's how i, I learned a yamaha one like that right and they're really really good um you there's no I, I was talking to someone about this yesterday there's no better way to learn how to mix than with like a, a 16 or 24 track porter studio because you're limited and when you're limited and you don't have that palette of I could put reverb here times four channels, you become creative and you learn that actually there's so much you can do just by mixing. So that's kind of where uh, that little funk track I played you a few weeks ago, that was all recorded on the Porter studio, all with mics in front of amps. So fully analog. But I then thought, yeah, I'm going nowhere with this. We had to move house and I was like, I'm not going to have a big studio. So I decided to go fully modeling and DAW. And that's when I, I got into Pro Tools properly. But I also when I went to the dark side and got rid of my Marshall amp uh, and my 1960-something fuzz face, I had a big muff. I had an um, old Marshall governor, sold them all for money that would make people weep today. Uh, mm. And just plugged into that Line 6 for about... 15 years <laughs> wow. um yeah so that was the dark time for me guitar wise again i was really i was learning myself so i don't know whether you remember or whether you ever used it but line six started off with their own like teaching thing where i forget what it was called it was part of the guitar port but essentially it was backing tracks and tab would play in a little window in front of you and that was absolutely brilliant. So I learned like five or six tracks off that. And again, 
had graduated in my mind to absolute genius levels of playing, I was terrible. Um, and I, I was loving it. And then suddenly they discontinued the software. None of my backing tracks worked. I think they ran into licensing issues. And I was like, that was the best thing ever. So again, back into the wilderness. Um, and then one year I found an old Laney... Uh, I think it's 15 watt tube amp just with a 10 inch speaker and plugged it in and played my Les Paul through it. And I was like, I have missed this so, so much. Mm -hmm. And that's when the buying of tube amps and pedals recommenced. So I went into my local guitar shop. I started looking for a rap pedal and they pointed me at one of Brian's pedals, the Sovereign. And uh, I was like, this doesn't sound like a rat, but I love it. And the guy in the shop was literally saying, yeah, this is a really transparent tone. And even then I was like, what does that even mean? Um, but <laughs> I took the pedal, took it home. And then, you know, I, as you do these days, I looked up the company on the internet, found the tone group. And then I reached out to Jason, who was, as far as I knew back then, running all of their marketing. I noticed he was based in Honiton, which is not a million miles away from where I'm like, dude, how does someone from the middle of nowhere in England end up, you know, being the designer for a multinational musical pedal company? It's it's awesome. So we started chatting and I just kept firing ideas at him. And he was like, oh, you should probably talk to Brian. So <laughs> with resignation in his voice, he, he kind of hooked us up uh, and me and Brian just kind of hit it off. Um, just straight away I was sort of saying oh we could try this and by that time I'd designed a few pedals with Jason uh, and I was kind of hooked I was like I love this this is like I remember as a kid looking in the shop at all of those colorful boss and digitech pedals and now I've got a chance to like play and draw on them so I did a lot of work with with Jason and then he left and Brian was like do you want to do it I was like yes I do so Uh, Yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. And it was just by sheer luck and chance that I ended up doing this. I had no plan to do it. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny. I did that all without breathing, I think. (laughs) You did. You didn't take one breath that whole time. I'm very impressed. One breath. The lung lung capacity (laughs) is astounding. (laughs) Considering the lifestyle I've had, I would say so, yeah. So you came on the chasing tone. When you came on, how did Brian spin it to you? Did he spin it as like, why don't you come on forever? Or was he just like, hey, let's do that? Like, how did, what was he, what did he say to you to make you want to give that a try? Because it seems way out of your wheelhouse, but naturally you're actually pretty good at it. Totally. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I, I, I mean, totally out of my wheelhouse. I've done corporate presentations in front of, groups of suits for for many years but um i've always really hated my voice and if you think my speaking voice is bad boy my singing voice is terrible um (laughs) but he was he was in a little bit of a kind of uh he was not really enjoying everything he was doing work-wise he was he had a lot of pressure on and he was sort of saying oh i've got to do this and i don't know how to do that and i was like well let me help you. And so I started helping with more and more. And then the podcast became something he found himself thinking about. And he's like, oh, 
I don't know what I want to do with the podcast now. And I was like, well, why don't we just see what happens if you get more people on it? Like maybe as guests. And he's like, no, that doesn't work. That's, that's what Blake does. I, I want to do it differently. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I could come on and just add a different voice because what was really like apparent is he kept forgetting to to say the things he meant to say about marketing our products i'll be like on next week's podcast make sure you drop this hint please bry because this is going to be a fan to and he kept forgetting so i was like right if, if you keep forgetting then i'm gonna just have to come on and drop those massive clanging <laughs> hints myself uh, and it, it wasn't like a big plan it wasn't like uh yeah we need to do this that it's like yeah let's just try it and see what happens because you know brian that's kind of he's very open-minded he was kind of like Eh, let's come on, let's see what happens. And uh, I think I made you both laugh. <laughs> I think that's mm -hmm. how, how we ended up where we are. Yeah, and, you know, it's it was one of those things. Like, I kind of knew immediately, like, this, uh, this is going to work well. But what wasn't quite as apparent, you know, right right away, was, like, how good the chemistry was going to develop. You know, it really, as we've done more and more, you know, we've gotten very comfortable with flinging certain insults at each other in a very fun way that we don't really mean, but I think it adds a, an element to the show that wasn't really there before. I mean, I'd make fun of Brian for being old, but that got, you know, that got old after a while. <laughs> There's only so many but see, old man jokes you can make. I mean, he's only, he's only a year older than me, but I still like to make those old man jokes at him because... Uh, I can get away with it. And I think as well, I disarm him by being British. Uh, I think right. just by <laughs> calling him a, uh, insert whatever swear word you want here, in a British accent, disarms it. It's like, oh, he's he's just British. He doesn't really mean <laughs> that four-letter word he just said at me. So, uh, yeah. It... yeah. Uh, and thank, I mean, I, I, I really... I worried a lot about the podcast because I said it was not my wheelhouse, as, as you mentioned, but... I felt we did all really just kind of get on and make each other laugh. And I think that's a formula for fun. That was the first time I'd ever talked to you was on that first podcast. I'd never talked to you before then. Isn't that kind of nuts? That. I mean, I do now looking <laughs> back. It is kind of, it's kind of crazy. And I guess we well, probably it's, it's... swapped a few messages online, but. Yeah. Yeah. We'd, we'd, yeah. yeah. We'd talked on the Facebook groups and stuff, but we'd never actually spoken before we recorded that first episode. And, uh, so I, I didn't know what you sounded like. I didn't know anything really about you other than you worked with Brian and it's kind of a strange way to, to meet somebody, <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, do you want to come on, uh, a podcast and basically have an introduction to someone in front of, you know, 6,000 people or whatever. Because <laughs> that's really what happened. It doesn't feel like it because it's just you yeah. and I on a call. But even right now, digging into this, it's it's kind of strange to think about how many people are actually going to hear these things. And I don't know if these conversations would be as fun if they were all sitting here. I think we'd be like, uh... <laughs> There. <laughs> Look at all I those eyeballs. You wouldn't feel as brave about some of the things. Yeah, <laughs> I, you're right. I, it, it was a complete baptism of fire, uh, and I kind of, I think in those situations, anybody with half a brain either sinks or swims straight away. So, luckily, I think we all kind of swam with it. It was like, yep, let's just take the piss out of each other now. <laughs> uh, that's how 
how things are going to be from now on. But again, I think we've all, it's funny because we, we did the Venn diagram of musical tastes and realised that it was probably just NWA that we all agreed on. But <laughs> we've all got differing musical tastes, yet we all like really good music and there are vectors that we're drawn to. So I think that helps. I, we all talk about different influences, which uh, keeps it fresh for me anyway. I think you and I have a lot more overlap than Brian and I do. You know, I, yeah. well, that's not necessarily well, that's true because really Brian like and I have this. Other than Brad, but I, 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 I was just gonna say Brian and I have the country overlap pretty, pretty firmly, especially the '90s stuff. But you and I like a lot more weird stuff than Brian does, and I'm not just talking about <laughs> Pink Floyd for all the. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean Brian yeah. doesn't really like anything weird. I think that's fair mm -mm. to say. Um, That's pretty fair to say. He, he's yeah. not a fan of, yeah. He's not a fan of. Whereas I, I've got a pretty broad taste because of, I guess how, how I sort of hung around with different groups of people in my life. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm very open-minded. Um, we definitely have got more musically in common than than me and Bry, but um, I don't think necessarily that makes the conversation more difficult when when he's involved i think it, it adds a bit of humor to it i love it yeah no i i actually th i think it's a good thing it's just an interesting observation i mean other than us being like three dads like we do have a, we're about as diverse <laughs> as you can get somewhere yeah three dads <laughs> three dads and an elephant i, I don't know <laughs> but like we do have we, we are about as different as as that can get in our, you know, older white demographic, I guess. <laughs> like we are, we're just kind of weird yeah. people. I, I mean, obviously, even from just that kind of viewpoint, I've obviously had a different upbringing from probably quite a lot of English people, as as I've said, on Chasing Tone. My mum's Indian, so I've always had a very multicultural upbringing and have just mm -hmm. learned to accept everybody and everything without judging, which is how everyone should be, of course. But it's it's given me a different eye on the world, whereas you guys have been brought up in uh, complete redneck country. No, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in a slightly different way uh, where you're all hillbillies. No, uh, yes. where <laughs> at least, yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying? So we, we've got a totally different view of culture. Uh, a totally different view of the world, but we all agree on every sort of thing. That's the weird thing. Even though we've had different upbringings, we have very similar views on things. Like when someone starts ragging on, I'm going to just say Joe Bonamassa because it's a common topic, we're all like, yeah, but he's a fantastic guitarist and people are just being jealous. Mm -hmm. None of us really like him, but we just have that common thread of common sense, I guess. I think I would mm -hmm. like Joe. I think, I, I don't know. I've never gotten to meet him. I think I would like hanging out with him. I'm just, you know, I'm not much of a of a bluesman. So it's not that I, and it's not even that I don't like blues. I do. It's just not in my wheelhouse of playing uh, and not my main, well, I guess if you really dive into it, everything comes from the blues. But, like, it's not my main go-to source of, of inspiration the way it is for other people. So... Yeah, it's right. a massive topic is oddly divisive amongst guitar players. I, I will say that. It's strange. I 
I don't get it because he's not my cup of tea. He is very talented. I love the blues, but I've heard a load of his songs and none of them were offensive to me, but none of them just hit home. Doesn't mean I can't absolutely, utterly respect him as a very good musician who's worked his socks off to get where he is and can produce music and has a right to have as many opinions as he wants because he is at the top of his profession and I'm nowhere near that in terms of my guitar chops. Yet, you know, a lot of people do like to, to, to pull him apart for no apparent reason. I will say you have actually paid him the highest compliment that I think anyone could pay a musician and you purchased his back scratcher. You know, I don't feel oh, like that's, I, I don't feel like you can away. pay a higher that's... compliment. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm quite a tall guy uh, and I sometimes get an itchy back. So I have been known to use things like my steel rule, which can slice through flesh, my mm -hmm. wife's pasta fork, or just simply the back of a, a door frame. Uh, so I was actually in the market for a back scratcher. I'm not going to lie. And when I saw, uh, I think it's a 66 Jazzmaster in surf green back scratcher, I was like, what's not to love about that? Now, That's right. It's cost me as much in shipping as the thing cost itself. That's how much <laughs> I wanted that back scratcher. But you, you sent the message I, saying, I just try to talk me out of this. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to talk <laughs> you out of that. You have to buy that. Of course you have to buy that. I did. <laughs> yep. It looks really cool. I hope it looks as good as the photo. Um, I, I kind of regret not getting the flying V1 uh, because that's probably better ergonomically to hold. But I love surf green. So uh, I'm going to go with my decision and I'll give you a full review when we get it on the chasing tone. Yes, that'll be that'll be marvelous. I, I'm I'm tempted. Not, I'm not going to lie. But we were we were kind of poking fun about it, but I'm tempted by the guitar watering can. Now, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, <laughs> it's so silly. I would I would love for my neighbors just to see me using that, and like, oh, there's Blake, and oh, he really does. He really is in the guitar business, isn't he? Even his watering can is shaped like a guitar. <laughs> You're yeah. going to have to send me your address because I'm going to buy you that for a Christmas gift. 100%. <laughs> uh, if they're still being sold at Christmas, I'm sending you a Joby guitar-shaped watering can. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. I, I'm a fan of the salt shakers, too. It's great stuff. It's wonderful. What was that? Uh, I forget what, what what the salt shakers were now. It wasn't the Marshall I stack. I think they were also flying one. Vs. Were they flying? They were flying Vs. The, That's I, right. The, they were flying Vs. Um I just love the idea of an entire kitsch house made in Joe Bonamassa's name with everything a really tacky Joe Bonamassa ornament. That would that would really appeal to my sense of uh, humour, I think. I feel like that has to exist. That has to exist, right? There's no way that there's not somebody out there that that doesn't have almost everything he's produced. It's just my theory. I mean, you, know, you get people with um, guitar-shaped swimming pools, so they go that far. Why not? I, and they must sell at least one of everything. So you're right, somebody somewhere must just be an insane Joe Bonamassa collector and have all 300 of his bobbleheads and <laughs> ashtrays and roach clips and 
bandanas and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Watering cans, of course. It, it's going to be like some octogenarian right in the middle of the country who just thinks he's a lovely, swell young boy and buys everything because they're loaded because <laughs> they made all their money in the uh, in the era of prohibition when it was easy to make money. <laughs> just just running moonshine the entire time, like the Kennedys. That's what pe people don't know that about oh, the Kennedys. Hot take. Yeah, it's you not know, a hot I, take. I, it's a fact. Gonna go. Well, well, yeah, I, I'm not very big on my American history, I'm afraid. So I'm just assuming that you are actually saying something that not everyone knew. But um, I'm going to, I don't know whether this is dangerous, but I am going to go off very quickly and say I've been listening to a, a, a side shoot of the last podcast, which was mm -hmm. all about Shelley Miskovich, the wife of David Miskovich, the um, leader of the Church of Scientology, um, oh. who has gone missing for many, many oh. years. But when what? the police have inquired, a number of Scientologists have said, no, she's fine. Here, here she is. Here's a letter from her. So there have been contacts, <laughs> but nobody has actually seen her. Uh, and there's a three podcast series that I'm halfway through, just like examining how women got treated in Scientology in the early days and how she got where she is and, and, and actually where is she. I mean, that is, how is that allowed to happen? That that be called a church, that make as much money as it does, and just basically write its own laws. Very, very weird. I hope I'm not offending anybody by saying that, but it, I don't it definitely think makes probably my... A, <laughs> I don't think there's a big uh, overlap I don't know whether with your my listeners is, in Scientology. Scientology. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Yeah, I don't think that's... Good, I mean, I'm the next not... thing I want to talk about is Nexium. <laughs> uh, don't talk about that. There's a lot of I got a lot of Nexium listeners. No, I don't have any <laughs> Nexium listeners that I'm aware of. And if if you are a part um, of Nexium and you're listening to this, just turn it off. I don't want you to be here. If, yeah, Richard and I have a an overlap of our interest in a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left, Left, which is one of the biggest podcasts on the planet, but. They examine some really, really, really messed up stuff. And uh, yep. I think it speaks to our messed up personalities a little bit. I try to, I try I, to fill in people. A... I was just going to say, I try to fill in the gaps for people because there are, it, it's kind of surprising really how many people listen to Chasing Tone and not Tone Mob. I know, and, and I apologize. I just realized and that. And vice versa. Yeah. It's a, I just realized that it, I'm thinking that we're chasing tone. We're not. We're chasing tone mobs. Yes, yes. And we're in the same position as we would normally be when we're doing the chasing tone. So but Literally, I was just drifting off into random waffle in chasing tone mode. So, uh, <laughs> well correct. But it, I, I've always had a, a fascination with the paranormal, and cults definitely fall into that. They're not quite paranormal, but... The ability of one man, especially L. Ron Hubbard, to convince right. hundreds of thousands, millions, don't know, of people that aliens came to the planet in DC-8 planes and have inhabited you all and you must all wear sailors' uniforms from the 1950s. That's just in... And give all of your money to the church because churches are tax-exempt. Cults are not. You know. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't understand it, but it, it it is a thing that has happened for all of human history. Not that specifically, but there's always somebody taking advantage of people in some way, and the people. I feel like a lot of these people are just lost and looking for answers, and they find it in these people who, you know, if you if you say something loudly enough and and uh, you know convincingly enough, somebody's going to believe you at some point. There are millions of people in this world, and uh, some percent you only need a tiny fraction of a percentage of them to follow you, and then wham bam, you got yourself a cult. So uh, I think Richard's starting something about the the. House of Petals, and you can follow him over there <laughs> on. <laughs> where I was he just will... about to say, Blake. Surely we could make some sort of pizza-based cult. Mm. Surely, if we did the cult of the mozzarella, something along those lines. Who doesn't love pizza? Everybody in your group definitely loves pizza. Oh man, pizza is life. Pizza is what it's all about. You know, we all I made came my from own pizza. pizza last week. You did? What? This is news. Yeah, we all came from pizza. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, back in the I, day, I the, made an awesome the giant pizza. pizza boss cooked us, and we were, we were all just dough that has been formed into human... I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not good at, any good at this. <laughs> this supports my theory that the Earth is disc-shaped and flat and not actually spherical, Blake. I like it. The Earth is actually just a giant flat pizza. Yes. Of course, it mm. just makes sense. Mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. we can build a cult around this. We can definitely build a cult around this. I'm gonna need you to like, like everyone's going to need to follow you, and you got to wear one of those weird hats like a piece a pizza chef makes. You know, you got you see the guy on the box like carrying the pizza with his chef's hat. That'll be the uniform, <laughs> I think. That would be so cool. I would grow the mustache especially. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You got to get it way out there, and you got to curl it upwards. You know, you're gonna have to get a lot of wax involved. I think. Um, waxing is not going to be an issue. I think just the actual steady hair growth at my age is going to be a difficult <laughs> part. But I, I'm game. If there's a cult, if we can brainwash people, if we can just create some form of pyramid scheme where we make money by spouting off, then. I'm all game for that. That sounds like uh, <laughs> that sounds like that's right up my street. So I, we talked about it, I think, briefly on uh, on chasing tone. Maybe we our conversations get very jumbled because we talk on chasing tone, we talk on the chasing tone Patreon, and then we also talk off the air. And so sometimes I can't remember what was said where, but. I know on this podcast I've never gotten the opportunity to talk about the weird business cult that they that tried to suck me in here like three or four years ago. Did we talk about that on Chasing Tone? Right. I can't remember. We, we touched on it. We, we didn't go into details, but um, speak on, Brother Blake. Well, it was weird, let me tell you. And I, I did figure out like what it, what it was, um, but... I ran into this guy at the store, and I had a particularly good day for whatever reason. And I, he said, "Hey, how's you know how's it going?" And and I'm like, "Oh, actually, it's going really good." Oh, well, what's your name? I'm Michael so and so, and what's you know I'm Blake blah blah. And then of course the next thing is, what do you do? And I explained to him like, "Yeah, I do do this podcast. You know, I 
I'm a partner in the string company and blah, 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 blah. Excuse me. Uh, and he is, uh, he's like, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, you sound like the type of guy that uh, my uh, my mentors would like to meet. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of weird. but Gullible. Sure. What's that? What's that? Gullible. I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, sure. So we met up and we had coffee. And then I still couldn't get any answers out of him. And now I'm just like, okay, I think this is nonsense. Like, I'm I'm sure this is a pyramid scheme, but I would like to know more. Just because I want to know more. <laughs> because <laughs> and, you mentioned money. <laughs> well, mostly because I I wasn't buying it. You know, I wasn't buying it at all, but I wanted to know what the angle was. I was kind of fascinated by it. Like, what is the angle here? So I went to coffee with him again. He invited me to one of their meetings. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to this meeting and there I shall receive the answers as to what this, uh, what this is. And I go to the meeting and it's just person after person. So first of all, I thought it was going to be like at a meeting place. It was just in some house in Vancouver, Washington. I was like, okay. Everyone's there in like suits. <laughs> Everyone's there in suits. I'm there in like a flannel and just like my trucker hat. And <laughs> just like, well, hello, everyone. Uh, I am from the woods. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this person after person gets up and is just gushing about this guy. I can't remember his name. We'll call him David. I don't think that's it, but we'll call him David. Oh, David and his wife that's are so a good wonderful. That's leader name. Yeah, well, yeah, then, now that you mention it, there's been a few of those. There's Branch Davidians. There's all kinds of, yeah, all right. David so, Miskovich, Scientology, it's all there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So, person after person, going up and then, like, explaining, like, how wonderful all this is. And how wonderful this David guy is, and how wonderful his wife is, and how it's completely changed their life. And I'm like, oh boy, these people are sipping some Kool-Aid. Like, what is going on here? And then David himself, get, well, his wife gets up, gushes about her husband, and how wonderful it is, and blah, 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 blah. No details are being given at this point. This David fella gets up, and he's about the same age as me, and he's strutting his stuff and talking about how brilliant he is, and... Uh, how he, you know, well, he told his story about how he used to be an alcoholic and he pulled himself together and now he's, you know, this brilliant business leader and blah, 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 blah. And I could go to sleep and uh, still make $150,000 a year or whatever it was. And all this nonsense. And so we, we get done with the whole thing and I'm just, I'm just more confused than ever because I'm going, I don't. I still don't know what any of this is. How are you making your money? How are you doing? Like, none of this makes any sense. And he, the guy pulls me aside, kind of singles me out. Everyone else seemed to, like, know each other. I didn't know anybody there. And so he kind of pulls me aside. So what would you think of that? I was like, well, it's, I'm still, like, I, I get, like, the motivational stuff you were saying, but uh, I still don't understand what any of this is about. Well, why don't you come back to another meeting we're going to have next week? And I'm just like, I have invested entirely too much time in this, and this feels like a cult. I am just going to leave. <laughs> and it was like 11 o'clock at night at this point. I left, went home, explained the whole thing to my wife, who promptly forgot about it. And then I kind of forgot about it myself. <laughs> until, fast forward to to a few months ago, I saw somebody in a like a personal finance group or something talking about a very similar situation. 
And this guy just happened to be local to me. He's like, oh, that sounds like World Dream Builders. I was like, message me. Explain to me what this World Dream Builders thing is. Uh, and he explained it's like it's an Amway thing. Are you familiar with Amway? Yeah, one of my cousins uh, was involved with that, I think. Yeah, so it's just or like a more extreme... I don't know the details. It's like a more extreme culty version of am like it's an offshoot of amway or like a subsidy mm -hmm. or I, I don't i don't really know how it works somehow they're affiliated basically you end up hawking supplements and various amway products that's the whole that's the whole thing and you you know you the only way you really make money is by getting people under you and you know and they 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 have all this training for you to go and do exactly what that guy did to me find people at stores who you know fit certain criteria and get them to come to these things. And I, I'm sitting there going, this is all just complete nonsense. Uh, but I can see how other people might get sucked into it, but it was very culty. It was like weirdly culty. And that just made me, I'm like, I'm out of here. Why are they worshiping this man? I am gone. <laughs> this is so <laughs> weird, but yeah, that's I the mean, long weird story. I, I worked with a guy who was, Svengali-like in his ability to um, kind of bring people on board and keep them loyal. And he was very, very rich, and he made quite a lot of people uh, relatively well off. Um, and I remember saying to him about something being a pyramid scheme and kind of laughing about it, and he turned around in all seriousness, is like, pyramid schemes are brilliant as long as you know when to get off. And it, it, it's true. <laughs> there, there is it clearly is. a level that works for somebody in pyramid schemes. I can't do it in the same way. I look at um, TV mediums, sidekicks, whatever, like John Edward, um, and that who's that young kid who does it in Hollywood? Oh, I forget his name. And essentially, they haven't got psychic powers. They're basically preying on people who, you know, are suffering from grief. And they're making a fortune out of it. Now, I like money, but I could not hawk myself in something that I didn't agree with ethically in that way, no matter how much money was involved, you know? And I, I kind of see people in pyramid schemes and TV psychics and uh, people selling quack remedies. They're, I tar them all with the same... You've got to go to sleep at night knowing that you are basically just a massive fraud. I couldn't mm -hmm. do that. That's no, that's not me no. at all. No, no, but I just heard on about the subject it. of oh. that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'd like to sell you my new magic miracle uh, restorative cure. The uh, <laughs> uh, the all new Wampla tonic. <laughs> Drinking it will make you very grouchy every Friday. Uh, it, it will make you a genius at building pedals but you'll never, ever be able to name another pedal again. That's right. It will be called the Wompstortion, volume 400. <laughs> <laughs> Why is naming pedals the most difficult job? It really is. But anyway, I don't want to go too much into that. No, let's talk about that. We've both been involved in that process. Like, we, we oh. kind of do similar-ish things like you do more graphic work i don't do any of that but like as far as like conceptualizing and trying to come up with names and 
you know, knob layouts and blah, blah, blah. We, we do some of the, yeah, the same I mean, things for different people. A hundred percent. So for, for OnePlus, essentially what I do, I take care of the social media, like you take care of a few brands, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we built the website, so I look after the website, but as well as designing the graphics for the pedals, I also work with the team on you know what the pedals are gonna, what functionality they've got, what they're gonna sound like, what the layout is, whether we're gonna add this or that. Then I design them. Then I design the boxes and the manuals for them, um, and write the copy for them and upload them to the website. So, other than manufacturing, <laughs> we've got a kind of small team of engineering uh, and marketing. We cover everything other than manufacturing uh you know in a pretty efficient way i'd say so i do tend to get my hands involved in a lot of things also as well as wampler obviously i've done work with soldano synergy tone king matthews and uh morgan um because at various points they've all been associated some aren't now uh and so yeah it's it's been brilliant i've, I've got to do lots of things but yeah the the naming of pedals is my biggest bugbear because I can do a graphic. <laughs> if you tell me what the name is, I can figure out what the graphic is. You know, if you tell me it's called the, uh, I don't know, let's just say it's called the, the trophy, then I'd, oh, yeah. the gearbox. Well, <laughs> yeah, my first design for the gearbox was funnily enough a gearbox. And everybody was like, what the hell is that? I was like, that's what a gearbox looks like. Look, shit, get rid of it. Put something else there. <laughs> so I put a big V8 block on, and everybody on social media is like, but that's not a gearbox. I'm like, I know. Gearboxes are not exciting to look at. They're, they're, they're metal cases with, like, six cogs in them. Come on. And cogs is so overplayed. I mean, we've we've done it ourselves on the Tumnus, where I, I built the... The new Tumnus is a exploding clock to represent basically time travel um, because we had to get a bit obscure with what we were doing with that pedal because of the the, the Disney thing. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to avoid. I, I try to avoid using cogs and gears because everybody else uses it. <laughs> so yeah, the gearbox was uh, therefore not a gearbox. Um, yeah. But gearboxes are connected to engines, and engines are good things. End of. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I I got it. I mean, I'm a mechanic, and I understood what you were going for, and I knew why a transmission would look stupid on it. It just wouldn't right. look good. Right. And <laughs> Engines look I mean, cooler. Yeah, whilst obviously the play on Gearbox was very much based on Andy Wood's love of, and, and actually we both have a shared love of cars, and, you know, the colour he wanted, that Lamborghini orange, which I kind of modified a bit because it was a bit too bright. So we, we went to a more of a sort of almost a BMW orange uh, and, and we try to get some of that stuff going on. Um, but the other thing is it's a little bit of a play on words because it is literally a box full of all the gear you need to make an amazing tone. Plug it into an amp. I'm not doing my sales pitch here, but the idea was is that's all you needed. Obviously, he likes to put his compressor in the middle, but... On its own, add a bit of reverb, that pedal can do so, so much. That's also why it's called the gearbox, because it's a box full of the gear you need. But I think that was kind of lost. <laughs> I think I was a bit I didn't pick up on that one. <laughs> I did not pick up no, on that No, well, I, I quite often have to explain <laughs> some of my more subtle ideas. 
it's always so funny. Like, you know, I did the Model One fuzz years and years ago with solid gold effects, and the whole reason I mm-hmm. called it the Model One fuzz was because of this difficulty with naming pedals. And I was like, and then the next limited pedal I do will be the Model 002. And it will just be easy just to keep continuing to do that. But none of the other collaborations I did followed that at all. They all ended up being more typical pedal names. The Typhon, the Demogorgon, like all this other stuff. You know, it just, I was like, so it's this random fuzz called the Model 001 with nothing following it. So, it, yeah. it, it's a brave step to do because we were going to do it. So we were going to release uh, a number of, I have to be careful how I pitch this, mini pedals, and they were all going to be in a series and they were all going to have a kind of name like that. But that didn't happen in the end. We we went away from it largely because other companies did things similar to us and it was, it was well, it, it took the wind out of our sails and made us realize, well, we have to, you know, pivot here slightly. Mm-hmm. So we ended up naming them all with individual names. Um, but I love the boss methodology. Just yes. call everything the OD insert number X here. Brilliant. That's saved so much marketing time. And Brian yes. loves it too, because Brian hates thinking of creative naming, even though he's really good at it. You've just got to get him at the right time. But I'm all for function over form i i love the design of boss pedals because they use a kind of retro 80s font because they were coming out in the 80s they just use (laughs) big bright colors no graphics just the name of the pedal and the labels and that is all you need but obviously we all have to do things differently and you know we've got our own style which is fairly well established um but we'll play around with it in the future for sure we'll do some different things Mm mm-hmm has there been so you kind of came into the gear side of things a little bit later in life after working in a whole bunch of different industries has there been anything that has surprised you about working so heavily in the gear world versus other jobs that you've had That's a really good question um I have to, again, answer this carefully because if I said, yeah, everyone in the gear industry is mad and disorganized, I mean, one, that is true, but it's also true of other industries. So um, (laughs) I think the number one thing, and it's, it's said time and time again, is the attitude between competition because we are all competing for everybody's dollars. So have no doubt that Josh really is trying to sell more pedals than Brian, and Brian is trying to sell more pedals than Robert, and yada, yada. But they've all figured out that to do that successfully, they should just work together and kind of encourage each other. And it's built this whole environment of friendly competition, which I think is way ahead of a lot of other industries. Um, in in the sort of guerrilla marketing books which i used to have to read when i was you know a marketing director um they talk a huge amount about you should use your competition you shouldn't be fearful of your competition but you should reach out to your competition and see what you can learn and perhaps even collaborate with them because you know there's there's more strength there and a lot of businesses are 
stuck in the 90s way of nope i am the best and i'm doing it my way but in the gear industry in the music industry in general there's a lot more oh they've done it really well but actually i appreciate that let me just have a chat and find out how they did it and mm -hmm. that absolutely is is ahead of its time i would say that's cool yeah that was something that was really surprising to me too you know it was always when i was even when i was a mechanic at the caterpillar dealer it was always like boo on the john deere dealer you know Bleh. like and understand that like you're only going to have one tractor most likely uh whether where you'll have you know 50 different pedals at some point um so that there's less of a threat to encouraging your competitors but i think collaboration especially for musicians is so key because even if it, you're not mm -hmm. collaborating with some huge artist, right? Say you're like trying to do a, a song together. That person very likely has people in their group or in their audience that you don't have. Even if it's just one person. You know, it's the equivalent of, of playing, you know, 250 gigs a year. There's people in every city who have never heard of you. And... If you can yeah. collaborate with another artist on a track and get even one person from their audience to hop over to yours, because that's the thing is nobody just listens to one song. Nobody just listens to one single right. artist and, and nobody else. If they hear somebody that they vibe well, with... I, I was like, with oh, you wow. on one song, but single artist, no, I'm out now. I only listen to Floyd, <laughs> nothing else ever. Ever. I'm joking, nothing else matters. I also Wait, listen to Metallica? Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's Miley Cyrus. Uh, oh, oh, now stop it. You stop it right now. I mean, her version was <laughs> But you good. are correct. I'm not going to sit here. It, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's very true that the, the strength in small business is to exploit its uh, ability to pivot quickly. And in an industry which is essentially lots of small businesses and now, I don't mean tiny one-man bands. I mean businesses that aren't making 100 million a year, let's say. Uh, then there's so much room to do that. And there is, as you say, uh, an ability to market to each other's um, customer base. And, you know, people who buy Josh's pedals may not buy Brian's, but may buy Robert's. But people who buy Robert's may buy Brian's, and vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I, I love that about it because life's too short to be competing on a planet with limited resources. You know, we should just be all making the best of what we got and enjoying it. With my hippie speech over. Well, I mean, that's, you know, prime example I'm is, you know, ball. why, <laughs> why, you know, why would Brian have been invited to go on Josh's massive YouTube show, you know? And like, I'm sure we'll have Josh on Chasing Tone at some point, you know, it's right. It's like, it just makes sense. You know, it just yep. inherently makes sense from a business perspective and from a let's make this fun perspective. Let's not make it such a, a grind. Let's have a good time with it. And and that's the other thing, even though, as you know, you and I both work in the industry, any job that you do becomes a bit painful. So there are times when I'm like, oh, do I really have to plug in this distortion pedal or you know, do I really have to test out these delay algorithms for another hour? And it's work, so it doesn't seem like fun. Every now and then you've got to stop yourself and go, we're making products that are fun 
and I need to enjoy them. And then when you do enjoy them, you're like, I'm so happy to be in this industry again. <laughs> it, it just comes <laughs> straight back to that every time. And, I mean, my pedal board is absolutely uh, chock full of products that I've helped build, and that's so satisfying to look down mm -hmm. and see a pedal board that is 80%, you know, mine and Brian's work. I'm like, well, and, and everybody else, but it, it's just insane. It blows my mind, and, and I love it. But what I love the most is seeing my pedals on, or I talk about them as if I'm the main person who makes them. Clearly, I'm not. But, you know, pedals I've designed or worked on, on people's pedal boards, and them loving it, it gives me such a buzz. And I've never experienced that in any job. No matter how much money I've earned, no matter how many people have been subscribing to the businesses I've been in, nothing I've ever done has given me as much pleasure as seeing people play pedals I love and uh, I've worked on and love them. It, it's fantastic, man. Well, because you know what that feels like when you have a pedal or a guitar or whatever that you love. It feels really good. And yep. to know that you're helping somebody else have that same experience is extremely rewarding. Like... It's, it is. It, it's kind of hard to describe. Yeah, it's it's what keeps us going, and it's why we all accept the fact that it doesn't pay as much as the insurance software industry did. That's the reality, because, <laughs> you know, I was working with clients who were raising hundreds of millions of pounds for floats and all sorts, whereas now I'm worried about, shall we sell this pedal for 229 or 239? You know, it's a different scale, and obviously... We sell a lot of pedals for that, but it's a different scale, but it's so much more rewarding in so many ways. It, it It's fantastic. And I've met so many cool people, uh, including you, Blake. Uh, I would not have met you without this. And you've helped me in other aspects of my life, which, you know, that's what life's about, is making those connections. Um, I remember when my tube went on my Soldano. First, I obviously spoke to someone who I know at Soldano, who I work with daily. He was like, I think it might be this. I then checked with Brian, who knows a little bit about amp design, and he was like, you should bit, check yeah. with Dave Friedman. And I'm like, you reckon he'll be all right with that? He's like, yeah, yeah. So I text Dave Friedman. So I've suddenly got you know, one of the world's foremost experts on amp design troubleshooting what turned out to be a broken valve. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... It's mind-blowing, and I love it. And, you know, there have been times when I've had uh, Zoom or Skype calls with, like, insanely famous guitarists, and they're just like me because I talk to them, and they're like, oh, cool, you've got a cool drum kit there. Tell me about that. And then I start talking <laughs> about, like, whatever. We're all just in it for the toys and, and, and the mm -hmm. playing, I think, right? Totally, totally. Well, dude, we're approaching the end of the podcast I've got a couple classic, classic questions I need to ask you that I have Shoot. not asked you, which is kind of weird. But before we do that, this is your chance to take the floor. You can, uh, you know, tell your great Aunt Martha that she's fantastic. You can plug your favorite burger joint. You can say whatever you want. If you have a message you want to get out to people, now is the time. How long have I got? As long as you want. This is going to take a while. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, so I will definitely say a couple of things. Firstly, check out some of the pedals that we are about to release. 
because I'm giving you the heads up now. These are some of the most exciting pedals I think Wampler have ever done, hands down. There's one on my board at the moment, and I'm literally looking at it with loving eyes. It's probably the next pedal that gets released, but I'm not sure. It's going to kill. It's amazing. So definitely keep an eye on Wampler's releases. Um, also, anybody out there needs help with websites, I run a very small consultancy called Amplify Creative. Um, we're not stupidly expensive. We're not the cheapest. We're not as cheap as going to Wix, that's for certain. Uh, but hit me up if you're looking for stuff like that. We're always onboarding uh, clients. Um, I don't have a great aunt, Martha, but uh, I would definitely say uh, lots of love to her if she was here. Um, go check out The Suicide Squad in your nearest cinema because it has brought back my faith in the DC universe. Oh. I think that's probably the biggest endorsement I can give on that film. Uh, we went to see that last night, and I looked at my watch only once, and that's my that's my benchmark on films. Like, even some of the better Marvel films are like three times I'm checking my watch, like, how long is this going on for? But the Suicide <laughs> Squad, James Gunn nails it. I mean... If you like Guardians of the Galaxy, 100% you're going to love this film. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably about it. I've plugged myself enough. Uh, listen to the Chasing Tone podcast. Sign up to the patron so you can listen to more of the Chasing Tone podcast. Sign up to Blake's patron so that he gets more uh, loyal listeners who might also come and listen to the Chasing Tone podcast. Uh, that's it dude that's my plugs done all right i like it i like it okay here we go first question and this one will be fun to explore with you what's your favorite boss pedal uh -oh. it's not going to win me any friends here but for me it was the og it was the pedal that introduced the concept of pedals to me uh, I'd never knew what a guitar pedal was until my friend who I referenced earlier showed me this, and it's the sound I first saw, and that is the Boss Turbo Distortion. Oh, no, the Turbo Distortion's pretty cool, actually. I like that pedal. The sound, All right. the sound of that for a 20-watt um, solid-state amp was the sound I saw when I was first playing guitar. And when I re-bought all my guitar gear in the early noughties, I did buy another one. I didn't like it very much, but it is, for me, my favorite <laughs> Boss pedal. All right, there you go. Okay, final question. This is the big one. We're really going to get into this. Richard, what uh -oh. is your favorite kind of pizza? Whoa. It is a plain... Can I have two answers? Sure. Because I'll, I'll die if I don't give you at least one of these. My wife will literally take me outside and I'll never be seen again. So <laughs> my number one favorite pizza is just a cheese and tomato pizza made at Gabby's in Flushing, Queens, New York. I was introduced to it by a cousin of mine. I don't know what they put in the mozzarella or the sauce, but it has trumped every other pizza i have ever eaten um so i know it's quite dull but if anyone is anywhere near queens in new york city go check out gabby's their i mean it's quite a famous little pizza joint 
their pizza is literally the best in the world. And then the politically correct answer is any pizza that comes from Italy. <laughs> it's because Anna is of Italian descent and you were trying to my, save your My kneecaps. wife is, yeah, is, is half Italian. I mean, we, we, we ate some great pizza in Rome, um, but Gabby's wins. Gabby's wins. Wow. That's a big statement. And this is, this is a guy that has been there. I have not yet been to Italy. I have been to New York and oh. the hype is real. I haven't been to Gabby's though. I got it. Yeah. That. Oh, honestly, if you're ever anywhere near Queens, do it. It's, I was, it, and, and it looks like a, a nothing. You walk in, it's plastic furniture. It, a few pictures of some of the Sopranos on the wall, but the pizza was like, I think they must sprinkle crack cocaine in it. It's so, so good. <laughs> oh, man. Gabby's Pizza. There's big plug for Gabby's. If any of the listeners uh, text me, let me know if you've had Gabby's because I'd love to hear your experience as well. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. This was fun. I'm glad we did You're this. You're very welcome, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, dude. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I hope... Uh, Hope I didn't come off as a complete dick like I normally do. Oh wait! Too <laughs> All right, everybody. For Richard, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you need more and you want to hear Richard and I talk about more guitar stuff, but also mostly our love for automobiles, slide over to Patreon and you can get extra episodes beamed to your ears every week, and they are a lot of fun. Additionally, I did get the thing I mentioned last week, the Apple subscription. I did get that set up, and so there will also be an additional episode. It's the same episode, whether you choose to do Apple or Patreon, but there is an additional chat with Richard and I available if you would like to hear more of us and help support the show. In the Apple subscription thing, uh, I have not gotten all of the back episodes uploaded to that yet, so you're just going to be getting the current bonuses for now. I'm trying to figure out with Apple and their clunky back end how to upload them so they appear in the feed correctly, because as it sits right now, if I upload all 180 or whatever back episodes that I have, it it would display them all at once in your feed, uh, in your main feed, and it would screw up things for non-subscribing listeners, and I don't want to do that. But I'm figuring it out, and as new episodes are added, you will definitely be getting those. I'm figuring out how to get the back catalog for Apple subscribers up. So if that's your thing, all you have to do is go into your app. You'll see the Tone Mob podcast, and it'll say subscribe. And all you got to do is hit that button, just like downloading an app from the App Store. Super, super easy. And then you will have those additional episodes as well. And it's the same price. So if all you're looking for is extra episodes and you're an Apple user, that's probably going to be easier for you. But if you want some more things and some other ways to support, head over to Patreon and check that out. But for the bonus content, it's the same. So never fear. Nobody's, nobody's getting left out. So thank you all for your support. And if you can't do any of that right now, I totally understand but please, 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 please share this with somebody you care about. Share this with somebody you think might enjoy this rambling nonsense and, you know, it might make their day brighter. And that would definitely 
make my day brighter if you could do that. Please, 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 please share this with somebody that you think might enjoy it. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you on the internet real soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.